Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, let your will be done through us. Amen. So take a look at this bacon. Anybody see this stuff before? Over the grocery store, it's been sliced up, laid out, skillet simmered, and vacuum packed. So this thing can last in your pantry for days, maybe even weeks. Take a look at this cute little guy. Isn't he a cutie, huh? Little pink pump, little porker there. Never has there been a more adorable representation of such a cuddly looking mud loving creature. And then take one look at this, if you will. I nagged it, I, I snapped it up from my 12 year old's bedroom. All decked out in Satan's favorite shade of red, this nice looking demon, huh? He's as creepy and scary as they come, ready to torment and to terrorize. Now this morning, I'd like to suggest that these modern day representations of these age old entities certainly have their place in our culture. However, they're doing this no favors as you and I consider the Bible passage that was just read, read, read for us, that well-known passage from Luke chapter eight. These three items remind us that we have preconceived 21st century notions that can give us an unhelpful filter when it comes to unpacking a first century story, one that we've heard many times before about Jesus going to this land and freeing this person from demons. So I'm gonna invite you to put on new eyes to look at it this morning with me, because I consider this to be one of the most liberating, life-giving stories in all of the Bible. And the reason this is important is because many of us came to church this morning in need of liberation. Liberation from nasty self-talk that is burdening us and the people around us. Liberation from worries, worries over money and relationships and work and the course of our country and the course of the world. Liberation from bad habits, from bad ways of thinking, habits we just can't seem to break that make us so much less than who we suspect we can be. This morning we see Jesus and he's on this mission to liberate more than just a crazy naked man who's running through a cemetery. But Jesus is here this morning to liberate you and me from the things that shackle us. You're not here this morning by accident, folks. I think that God has called us together this morning to grow in love for the Lord, for our fellow brothers and sisters, and to contemplate this idea of liberation from that which is binding us this morning. And your obedience to a divine calling, this empowers us to leave behind the things that bind us to throw off the shackles that anchor us, to accept the healing, freedom, and liberation that Jesus is all about. So we begin this morning, and we're in a boat. We are in a boat, and uh, we have taken that boat with Jesus and with his disciples, and we have sailed across the Sea of Galilee. Now, for those of you, I know some of you have been there before. I was just there in January. They've gone, gone across this, this big lake. It's something like the size of Lake St. Clair. 
okay? And, and on the east side of the lake is Galilee where they started. And they've gone over, excuse me, the west side. And what they're doing is they're going over to the east side. They've gone from the Jewish part then over to across the lake from Gentile area. And as Father Steve mentioned to us, it's the land of the Gerasenes. So there is very different than where they came from. This is a land in which people don't practice the Jewish rituals. They don't follow the Jewish laws. They don't bow down to the Jewish God. In other words, these are people to whom the Jews have been called out and sent to be a light to the nation, to bring healing to the masses, to tell the lost they've been found. Bringing the liberating news of God's love to others has been a charge to Jews since the ages of Abraham. Anybody know the name Abraham? Abraham was told many, many years ago that you and your descendants will be as many as the, as the grains of sand on the beach. And your job as Jews is to go spread this light. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He gets in the boat, he goes over the land of the Gerasenes, and Jesus and disciples now find themselves in a land that does not treat pigs the same way that Jews do, this cute little guy. I'm gonna keep holding him up, I just think he's so cute. <laughs> the Jews um, did not do so uh, because of the biblical commandment. And though you Bible scholars know Deuteronomy 14, 8 says the pig, because it divides the hoof and does not chew the cud is unclean for you. You shall not eat their meat. You shall not touch their carcasses. Now this is a warning to Jews to not only don't eat them, but don't breed pigs, okay? And while there's no reason given in the scripture, you and I can assume that one reason is because of lack of refrigeration in the first century deserts. And the ways pork can easily become home to all kinds of bacteria, causing all sorts of problems. One of them, a disease called, oh, you know it, trigonosis. Remember your mom and dad always told you, wash your hands, don't eat that, cook that well. In fact, today's rabbis examining commandments like this one in Deuteronomy 14.8, they often point to hygienic reasons behind commands dealing with ancient Hebrew dietary issues. And so why not eat pigs? Because they might kill you, okay? Pretty basic. Meanwhile, Jesus and the disciples, they leave the boat. They step into this culture that takes these chances with pork. They take these chances, not only eating it, but they breed pigs. And here they find this deranged man. Now, of course, in the first century, there was no knowledge of mental health like you and I have today. We don't hear about people suffering from anxiety or depression or bipolar people in the New Testament. And since these are the most common forms of illness today, I mean, worldwide, depression is number one, folks. Mental or otherwise, number one, they were probably pretty prevalent back then too. But the writers of these words that we read this morning, they didn't have knowledge that we have, they didn't have the vocabulary we have. And so we hear in detail, using the best language available to them at the time, about demons, about their names, about their words, about their actions. And we wonder, what caused this possessed man to go off the rails? Why was he demon-possessed? Why was he deranged? And what we know is that afflictions like this are caused by a variety of different things. And I might suggest this morning that it could also have been caused by a disease called trigonosis. While usually affecting the stomach and the intestines, even to the point of death, trigonosis can cause somebody to go crazy. So you and I then, we witness what Jesus does from here. He finds a way to cure this afflicted man by commanding the cause of this affliction, this illness, these demons to go into a nearby herd of swine. 
Now, I know that when I say herd of swine, many of you envision this cute little guy. I told you I was going to show him you again. You think of little pigs, you think, oh, he's so adorable. Right? Anybody see the movie Babe? Yeah. Now, there's a cute pig, right? Whole bunch of cute pigs there. That's what we envision. But to Jesus, an observant Jew, he may have been looking at this herd of swine more like a swarm of mosquitoes who are carrying a deadly strain of malaria. Thus, his banishment of what ailed this possessed man to this herd of swine may be, in fact, one of the most charitable and compassionate and liberating things that Jesus could have done to the Gerasenes. Jesus, the liberator. Of course, the pig owners didn't see things this way. They were angry. And you and I then think of all the other people, think of all the other people in the Gospels who were angry with Jesus. They, they, these these, these uh, Gerasenes were not, uh, the, they, they weren't happy with him. But when we think of those who were happy with him, those were the liberated blind people who, who had been given their sight. The hungry thousands whom Jesus fed, they weren't happy with Jesus. The lepers who got healed, they weren't happy with Jesus. Who wasn't happy with Jesus? Well, those who were consistently upset with Jesus were the corrupt, the dishonorable, and the dishonest. They were religious hierarchy who saw a threat to their corrupt practices. They were high priests, Pharisees, and scribes who saw their power and position threatened by Jesus's words, his actions, his growing following. These were the people who did not rejoice when the sick were healed or even the dead were raised. No, they were much more interested in their selfish enterprises. And we may, we may wonder if these garrison swineherds, if these garrisons were cut from the same cloth. After all, they were more concerned about losing their pigs than about seeing this deranged man healed and set free. Were they just innocent merchants unfairly deprived of their livelihoods? Or were they greedy, self-interested pushers of a product they made money on and perhaps even suspect was harmful to people? Well, this means that you and I look at this story less as an intriguing tale of bizarre demonic encounter and more as a compassionate story of liberation. Yet another witness to God's desire to bring healing and wholeness to your life and to my life. You know, it was a hot, humid day in Galveston, Texas, back in 1865, when U.S. Army General Gordon Granger made his way to a balcony to read General Order Number Three and announced to the last corner of the U.S. territory that liberation had come to the slaves. This came two and a half years later than Abraham Lincoln's issuance of the Emancipation Proclamation. It's events like this in which we wish that there had been email. This event first marked in the South places like this. Churches, they were the first ones to commemorate Juneteenth. Juneteenth was a big celebration in churches in the early days. The gatherings took on a festive food center tone. Over time, the commemoration would spread north and now nationwide. It was just one year ago that President Biden uh, made this day, June 19th, Juneteenth, an official federal holiday. And one reason the celebration may have started in churches is because churches historically are a place that preaches and works for liberation. Folks, that's what we're all about. Personally, communally, societally speaking. We want fairness, we want equality, we want equal opportunity. Theodore Parker, great theologian 150 years ago, he made this statement, Martin Luther King made it more famous. He said, in my summation, the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice. That's where the universe is headed. 
This is what Christianity preaches. See, no more, more clearly than in our second lesson that, uh, just, that, that was read for, read for us by Janine. St. Paul wrote, there is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer slave nor free. There's no longer male nor female. For all of you are one in Jesus Christ. What do we need freedom from today, folks? From our worries? From our habits? Do we need freedom over our fretting, over things that are out of our control? These are all found in the liberating life that Jesus invites us into. This life, as you've heard me talk about many times before, is a life rooted in prayer, a life rooted in scripture, a life rooted in godly influences. What are the things around us that we're accepting in and dwelling on? And in a life in which we prioritize altruism. Those four, prayer, scripture, godly influences, altruism. Every one of us have been liberated by faith in Jesus as we've confessed him as Lord and asked him to come into our hearts. But following our liberation, we do as the deranged man in the gospel this morning. And we ask Jesus, hey, can I follow you? Hey, can I, can I live my life in your footsteps? That's where we are, folks, as we encounter Christ this morning. What does that mean to you and me? How can we stay close? to Christ. What does that look like? And what does following Jesus more nearly in our lives coincide with, with our own habits and practices? The response to liberation is echoed no more wonderfully than what we see in Juneteenth. That is a celebration rooted in gratitude and in a renewed ambition to follow our liberator. Gratitude, folks. How are we mirroring and how are we embracing that this morning as we imitate our liberator and bask in the love and grace that have been shown to us? Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, Amen. Oh,